Good evening. Thanks for the response. It was, it was really more a test for these guys over here to make sure the audio system works, but I, I appreciate it. So, um, I don't know if any of you have ever spoken in front of a group of people, let alone a large group of people that are primarily strangers, but it's an, it's an interesting experience to have, especially when you're setting this up. There's a million ideas. I find that I live in the world of ideas, not my own. Uh, I like to say, and this is truly what I'm about, I'm a guy with a dry erase marker and a dry erase board most days. I don't have a whole lot going on up here, but I've got a lot going on here. And there's a lot of stories that wanted to come out. So I'm going to pick three of them uh, out of the last, well, 20 some odd years of my career to share with you. Hopefully that it, it lends perhaps a, a bit of consolation for where you might find yourself or perhaps uh, maybe even a little bit of, of comfort knowing that you're not the only one, maybe, if I'm lucky, although Father Steve said it's not likely, that I'd share a little bit of wisdom as well. So, here we go. There's two young fish swimming along, and, and as they're swimming along, they happen to meet an older fish swimming by the other way, and, and he nods at them and says, Morning, boys. How's the water? The two young fish continue swimming along. One turns to the other and says, what the heck is water? Now, I might be the only one that, that chuckles at that story, but, but I love it because it's such a great reminder that the most obvious and important realities that we are involved with are the hardest to see and sometimes the hardest to talk about as well. Now, one of, those is one of those realities I've found is, is that discerning and ultimately finding an amazingly fulfilling career isn't about career-building tactics like how to make my resume smarter or really, I'll say this, and, and here's, maybe this will get me to the confessional later tonight. My cynicism is going to come through in this next comment. I, I would assert, in fact, our resumes those documents we pour lots of heart and soul into may be our most formidable enemies because they're really a disqualification tool. A disqualification tool for potential employers if they don't like what they see, they discard it and oftentimes us along the way. So tonight isn't about, here's the top five resume ideas that you need to take home with you. It's, it's not the three things to say in an interview that's going to have you be scoring the next greatest job. Tonight I want to share three pillars. Three pillars that have been absolute game changers for me. Pillars that I've been blind to, but pillars that have led me to more fulfillment in my professional vocation than I ever, ever imagined. So tonight is about recognizing some of the waters that we swim in. Pillar number one, suffering and a journey to sickness. May 7, 2013, was a Tuesday to most folks, sunny, 73 degrees. 
And at 9 a.m., a husband and wife walked into a downtown office building with a thick folder of papers and a closet full of dashed hopes and dreams. They stood quietly waiting for the elevator doors to open, almost numb from what had happened several months before. The doors opened to a somber environment, a drab lobby with worn-out chairs and even more worn-out expressions from the people within. How did we end up here? asked the husband to his wife. The answer only to be interrupted by their expected visitor. Do you have everything I asked you to bring? Yes. Then let's go in. An adjoining conference room held a U-shaped conference table around which 15 to 20 people were packed. Even the seats along each wall were completely filled. At the base of that U was a moderator guiding the proceedings. The couple sat down at the table in the two remaining seats, identified themselves, signed a few documents, and then left the room. Is that all? Asked the wife. Yeah, that's it. Pretty easy, wasn't it? Replied their visitor. I guess so, replied the husband. Their visitor extended his hand and said with almost no emotion, Congratulations, you've been discharged. The couple exchanged their goodbyes and walked out of the building, not fully understand what had just happened over the last 45 minutes, but fully understanding the mess that had led up to that very point. May 7, 2013 was the day I filed bankruptcy. On May 17, 2013, my illnesses had finally caught up with me. Illnesses represented by four emotional environments I had never distinguished before. Number one, making money and having status were the most important objectives of my career and my life. Number two, rarely if ever did I listen for what Christ was asking me or how Christ was asking me to serve. Number three, I invested pursuing in only my dreams and killing off the aspirations and dreams of all others in my life. And finally, number four, living a life of what I'll call rugged individualism, meaning I can handle all of it, rather than building a team with which to share and which to grow. May 7, 2013 was absolutely the loneliest day of my life. Pillar number two, relationships and a journey to wellness. Hitting that rock bottom was the best thing. Sounds crazy. It was the absolute best thing that ever happened to me. It not only stopped a downward spiral, but it amplified the noise that had been distracting me from what was important, from what God wanted for me. One of the first places I was to look next was my career. Historically, my career was about me. It was about how fulfilled I needed to be, about how cool I was, about how much money and prestige my career delivered. It was just, that was an incredibly empty space. In a fit of frustration, I had a lunch with a dear friend who's become a mentor in faith for me. I'll never forget the question he asked. It was 
It was the punch in the gut that I absolutely needed at that point. Preston, when are you going to stop looking for the career that serves you rather than one that serves your family and the rest of us? A few weeks later, another friend suggested I speak with a buddy of his from a CEO peer group. That suggestion turned into what is now a friendship, a mentorship, and a business partnership. And if God hadn't made it clear enough, a client introduced me to a book and a business coach. That coach then introduced me to the book's author, who introduced me to the organizational system that I now implement with entrepreneurial businesses. The moment I gave up my agenda of misguided and selfish glory, prestige, and doing everything on my own, was the moment God uncovered my eyes so that I could see the relationships that had been there all along. The relationships that are now foundations of my team. Pillar number three, focus and a journey to fitness. This past June, I made a sudden turn playing hockey that resulted not in deking the defenseman and scoring the goal, which was what was going on up here for me, but in an incredibly sharp pain in my right hip. Over the next month, that pain moved from my hip to my thigh. Now, I will never profess to know the pain and discomfort of childbirth, but my fragile male ego tells me that that was the most painful experience I could ever remember. I literally could not walk more than 20 yards without having to sit down to calm the pain. Now, although my MO is to just power through injuries, I got a prescription for physical therapy and began the process of rehabilitation. In five weeks, five weeks, my PT, Stephanie, took me from 20 yards to 20 miles. So why do I share this story with you? Aren't we here to talk about more career rather than you know, my hockey injuries? The muscles we don't see are the ones that make the real difference. The core muscles underlying my hips, my torso, my legs have always been there, but I had been avoiding them. I had been overexerting the obvious and familiar muscles, the ones that help me look and feel fit. But it was the less obvious, the unfamiliar, but most importantly, the muscles that, that really needed my attention underneath, not just for rehabilitation, but for the true definition of health, of strength, and support for the rest of my life. Three years ago, I began a coaching program that's guided me to distinguish what's called unique abilities. That for which I have great passion, clearly defined skill, boundless energy, and inexhaustible learning. Most importantly, my unique ability is the underlying muscle God's given me to make the difference He wants me to make. For me, it's been the key element in finding the work that God wants me to offer the world. Now, here it is in its most simplest form. I simplify, strategize, and challenge to create clarity and action from chaos. 
Sounds a little ambiguous, doesn't it? Well, let's put some framework around it. If you want an architectural drawing created, I'm not your guy. Where's Christopher, DTE? He's still here? Uh, engineer, like build stuff, you know, electrical engineer. Like I can't imagine, like, that's the furthest thing. You would never want me touching that. If you want a cake baked, I am not your guy. But if you want to move forward beyond the noise of complexity, to see what you can't quite see on your own, to make decisions and take actions that border on scary, then I am your guy. Now, my unique, my unique ability isn't tied to a company. It's not tied to an industry or a profession or even a job. It's not tied to my past experience or my resume, and it's never, ever attached to a job description. It's the one thing I do better than most anyone else and gives me enormous satisfaction, but most importantly, it creates exponential value for others. And the best part about it all, each and every one of you here tonight have a unique ability that I can tap into, that I can call upon when my unique ability isn't needed or it's not sufficient for what needs to happen. Discovering this muscle has created enormous freedom of time, freedom of relationships, and especially freedom in my career. The professional work I do today is perfectly designed for that unique ability. And without a shadow of a doubt, that unique ability is the greatest vocational gift I could have ever received. So, wrapping it up, what's the punchline? Some of you might be asking that right now. Here it is. Number one, the emotional environments in which you live are wildly dangerous if you are not aware of them. Number two, the relationships in which you live can be the most debilitating if you are not keenly aware of them. And number three, the gifts which God has given you are an atrophy if you are not aware of them. So what's the common theme? What's that? Yes, and, and Leah's not a plant. Like, be aware, our awareness like, why is it important? Because awareness is the first step in creating change. It's that first step in creating more fulfilling relationships. It's the first step in creating that career. So how do we create that awareness? Now, there's hundreds of things that I could share with you tonight that I might recommend. But there are three challenges that I'm going to ask all of you to take on tonight. Number one. Start a daily journal that captures your answers to the three following questions. Number one, what is my number one focus today? There's lots of things I could put my attention. What's the number one focus for today? Second question, what am I absolutely grateful for? I wake up and if I don't intentionally create an awareness of gratitude, my day doesn't work out so well. And third, what's the biggest difference I can make today? We're all called to make a difference 
being aware of it is going to help. Second challenge, have lunch with a friend once a week and have a conversation surrounding three questions. Ask them, what are you most grateful for? It is amazing what you get back from people when you ask them that simple question. They're not tapping into gratitude as well. You might be their key. Second, what's missing in your life? I haven't met a person yet that has a completely 100% fulfilled life. And I don't know if it's professionally, personally, in their faith life. There's typically something missing. And third, how can I help? Third challenge, walk yourself through a self-study to start unpacking and uncovering your unique abilities. Now, I've got a copy up here. I don't know when to raffle it off. One of you is welcome. I've got one, it's, but please, everybody, at least take a moment. There's a book called Unique Ability Discovery 2.0. I don't sell them. I don't get paid for it. It is an amazing key, an amazing journey to walk yourself through that. And second, in terms of walking yourself through a self-study of your unique ability, do everything possible to allow God to speak to you every single day, in every single moment, as your unique ability is truly his gift to you. We're all swimming along in life and in relationships and in careers. I don't know in which waters are best for you to swim. I just pray that you've heard something tonight that may create just a bit more awareness of those waters. So thanks for the gift of swimming alongside you tonight. Thank you so much, Preston. I really appreciate your stories and all those points and subpoints within the points. <laughs> it's pretty great. I think Tim got all that done. So impressed. All right. So this is question and answer time. So if you would take a look at the postcard, the blue postcard that is that you were handed as you walked out of the food area. There is a phone number on there, just above the blue part, in fact, in the white section at the top, 313-528-0101. That is the number that you can text a question to. And I will be looking at your question so I can ask you a question for question from right up here. It's a very high-tech question. So, all right, and I have a, a little starter question while you're texting. All right, Preston, do you personally have a mentor. We talk a lot about mentorship in YCP, and I'm curious, do you have a mentor, and how did you find that person to be your mentor? Mm. So I'm, I shared a bit about a buddy of mine that asked me that question, like, when are you going to create a career that serves somebody other than yourself? Uh, so Father Steve Polis knows him well, because it's actually Father Steve's brother-in-law, Tom Murray, and is just a dear friend. Um, Tom's a great guy. Great guy to have a beer with, great guy to hang out with, but more importantly, he's a man in my life that challenges me. Challenges me as a father, challenges me as a husband, challenges me as a Catholic. So I'm looking at mentors. He really set the bar for me really high. Say, I want folks, I've got lots of friends and lots of people in my life, but if I have a mentor, I want a mentor to challenge me. 
So as we're, you know, as we're meeting people, the folks that are willing to push back on us, push back on some of the things that we're thinking about or the way we're looking at things, um, that's, that's a great thing. And, and fundamentally, like all the great people in my life that are part of my really close team that support me, number one, that's why I say the second challenge is go have lunch with a friend, you know, once a week. Like we all, did, who, did anyone not eat lunch? It's a whole other issue for us to discuss, right? But like, you, we all have lunch. We all eat food. Go have conversations. You'll find your mentors sometimes in those relationships. What is the book and author that changed your life and that you base your business teaching on? Easy. Um, that one is, so those of you that may own businesses or be part of, so uh, Leah mentioned like entrepreneurial operating system, I'm going to define that. Companies that have 10 people to 300 people, employees if you will. Um, there's a book entitled Traction, the author's name is Gino Wickman. There's a accompanying book, if you will, called Get a Grip, co-authored by Gino Wickman and Mike Payton, P-A-T-O-N. Those are two books that have fundamentally changed my life because coming out of my family business experience where we grew the top line really quickly and we were bleeding cash out the back door on a regular basis, we didn't know what we were doing. Worse, we didn't know what we didn't know until it was almost too late. Um, those books told the story of my family business. And told the story of me as a, as a leadership team member in that. And uh, when I read that, I, that was the book that a client gave me, and I got introduced to Gino. Gino is actually a, a Livonia guy, a Michigan guy. Um, that was a, those, were, those were books that have not just changed my life personally, but the system inside that book is exactly what I, exactly why I get hired is to help companies implement that. You mentioned emotional environments. Mm. Can you describe what are emotional environments and how do we use our awareness of them to actually change our lives? So um, <laughs> in maybe it's the nature of the business I'm in. I'm just a generally curious person. Uh, I read, I can't consume enough books. Uh, one that I'm reading now probably for the third time, so you might want to write this one down. Willpower doesn't work. Willpower doesn't work. Benjamin Hardy is the author. Uh, the whole book's about environments. Like, if you want to create things in your life and create success, it's all about setting up these environments. And he literally applies the concept of an environment to almost everything. Physical environments might be the first thing we think about. We're in a beautiful environment right here. You know, physical structure. But there's also structures up here and here. And those are the ones that are not as obvious. And I realized in my career when I looked back and really looked in the mirror to say, the, the physical environment that I was inside of, if you, if you put it in the context of a room, was it, it was a room with a lot of sickness in it, a lot of beliefs, a lot of selfishness, a lot of, um, I don't know, what the, what's the opposite of gratitude? What's that? I mean, the, like a room that had no gratitude, a void, a vacuum of gratitude room. Um, it, it was like those are the emotional environments that we can find ourselves in. There's, for me, I've discovered there's a direct correlation to the relationships. So if emotional environment seems a little confusing, I think maybe the next best place to look would be 
consider the friendships you have, the relationships you have. Those are environments. Are your, is your current environment with your friends, with your family, with those you work with, are those environments that is, are as healthy as they can be? How can you help them become healthier? Or is it time to maybe spend less time in that environment? This is an interesting one. What's the worst advice that you've ever received? Maybe bad advice that you followed and then you discovered it was bad. As soon as someone says, would you like some advice? That's what you don't take. Anything they say afterwards. It's never the best advice because it's their experience. Ask somebody to share their story. Don't ask for their advice. Their stories are just a brilliant mechanism for us to actually see inside of the other person, to see inside of ourselves. And the things you'll hear in those stories will be the advice you're looking for, but it's not a tell, it's a discovery. Okay, and last one, a little more family-oriented question and faith-oriented. How do you intentionally lead your family in the Catholic faith? Does your family volunteer together? What do you do together to grow in your faith? My wife, Natalie, might answer that question a little differently about me. Um, I've heard a few times, you're the head of the faith household here. You're not doing your job. Um, <laughs> so our kids uh, were at, uh, members, uh, parishioners at uh, National Shrine of Little Flower Basilica. Uh, our kids have been in Shrine schools for, well, so my son Henry is a senior this year at Shrine. He's been at Shrine schools since, um, oh gosh, what's before kindergarten? Preschool. Um, a long time. Uh, we, have, we have immersed ourselves in that parish. And whether it's the schools, whether it's the parish, um, Lee had mentioned that I'm a convert to Catholicism. I, I, I'm, not, I'm a convert to Detroit as well. I grew up in Chicago. We moved here 14 years ago, and I'm absolutely convinced we live in the house we live in, a block and a half away from Shrine, after looking all over, the, all over Metro Detroit for six months to find a place. And it was the last house, the last weekend. We were calling it all off. We walked out of the house. The church bells were ringing. Natalie talked to a neighbor, had a great experience, and said, this is the house. And she might describe it that way. God brought us here into that house and brought us to that parish. And there's very few people in this world that could ever convince me otherwise. So uh, long answer to the question, Lee, it's like how we immerse ourselves as a family is uh, we are working on praying more together. Um, I would not necessarily consider prayer to be one of my like, charisms. I am working on that. That's a muscle that I've got to continue to build. Um, we pray together, we, we read scripture together, um, and we do a lot of volunteering uh, at, at our at Shrine Schools and Shrine Parish. All right, well, thank you so much, Pastor. You bet. Thank you, guys.